you know, I knew that I was the problem. I knew that my mind was holding me back, but I didn't know that I was the solution. That was Lindsay Wilson, the founder of Positive Performance and the Mindset Coach Academy, talking about being the solution to your own mental performance challenges. And I'm Julianne Dietz, and I want to welcome you to the She Dreams and Goals podcast, where soccer dreams come alive and goals are just the beginning. This podcast is all about empowering girls to use their passion for soccer as fuel for on-field success and a lifetime of wellness. In each episode, we'll talk to stars from the NWSL, health experts, and performance coaches to unlock their secrets to success and discover what it takes to be the healthiest soccer players and people we can be. In this episode, we're speaking with Lindsay Wilson, a former collegiate and professional athlete, mental performance and mindset coach for athletes, and mom of four girls. Lindsay is incredibly skilled when it comes to helping athletes build their mental strength in order to perform at their best during competition and in life. As a small part of an impressive body of work, she has been featured in the Oscar-nominated documentary The Heart of the Game and has been recognized on ESPNW.com for her groundbreaking work in the field of mental performance training. Lindsay also offers training for coaches and parents who would like to become certified mental performance coaches. I am so grateful that we had the opportunity to speak with Lindsay. She gave us some amazing tips and simple mindset activities we can try. But don't take my word for it. Elizabeth, what did you think? I thought she had some really good advice. especially love the idea. Picturing myself as my favorite animal and being the animal on the field. Makes a lot of sense the way she explained it. All right, so whether you still pack a soccer bag full of shin guards and a ball or the weekly carpool full of fierce young female soccer players, I hope you'll join us each week to explore how we can achieve our dreams both on and off the field. Elizabeth, kick us off. Welcome to the She Dreams and Goals podcast. Hi, Lindsay. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, so nice to be on here. Great to be with you, Julianne and Elizabeth. This is awesome. Hi. We always like to ask at the start, did you play any sports when you were a kid? I did. I was actually pretty serious about soccer, um, but I was also serious about basketball, which is the one that I ended up doing as a collegiate athlete and a professional. But yeah, I played soccer, track, basketball. I had two older brothers, so, you know, lots of informal sports. But I started um, organized sports pretty early, about five or six years old. Elizabeth did a little basketball last winter, but mostly soccer like is it? her favorite. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Like, like mama, it. huh? You did like it. Yeah. It's not my favorite, but I did like it. Yeah. That's good to try new things. I, soccer's a great sport, though. I mean, that's it's so fun. We're in the Pacific Northwest, so there's lots of soccer around here. That's awesome. I have a question. So you're a mental performance coach. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is and what inspired you to do this work? So, yes. So what mental performance is, is really helping athletes and really everybody that supports athletes really understand how to improve performance, how to have more fun and more joy, how to really train the mental side that we know is so important that makes such a a difference on how people uh, experience their sport, make it a, a more conscious part of training so that it's more proactive and less reactive and really gives people a skill set in the same way that we teach them how to kick the ball and all the things that we do and and we you know run to get in better shape it's the same idea on the mental side the reason that i am a mental performance coach really comes from 
my experience as a high school athlete, actually, where I was really struggling. I was, um, at that point, I had pretty much decided on basketball. I played a little bit of soccer still too, but I was um, getting really serious about basketball. And it was certainly that time in my life where it was like, all right, so are we going to really go for it? And that next go for it was certainly playing collegiately. And that was my dream. That's what I you know, fell asleep thinking about at night. And that's what I got up early to run hills. And I was doing all the physical things to prepare myself to, to get to that novel, le- next level. But even at, you know, 15, 16 years old, I, I could start feeling myself holding myself back. And at that point, I really thought that it was just me. You know, I was, I will say I was like shooting when I should have been passing and passing when I should have been shooting. And I was worried about the college scouts in the stands. I was worried about my parents in the stands. I was worried about my coach and whether they were going to take me out. I was worried about my teammates and whether they wanted me to pass to them or if I passed to them too late or too early. And so I was like, I was playing, but I was like thinking so much that it was really affecting my performance and it was really making it pretty unfun. Um, and I think even at that point, I really understood that it was my mind. Like I could feel myself doing it, but I didn't have any idea, one, that it was normal that a lot of people experience it. And of course, I didn't know what to do about it. I just thought, well, maybe I should just practice harder, practice more. And that never really seemed to to do it, <laughs> to solve it. Um, and so I actually started working with a, a mindset and mental performance coach. And, you know, I think the 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 message that I got from him and the one that I try to really instill with everybody that I talked to about this is really, you know, I knew that I was the problem. I knew that my mind was holding me back, but I didn't know that I was the solution. And many of these mental, we're not talking about really deep mental health issues. We're just talking about like the everyday struggle of trying to be good at something. (laughs) That's what we're talking about. We're talking about making mistakes, sometimes publicly, we're talking about failing, we're talking about trying to do our best and all the mental and emotional components that go with that. Everybody struggles with it. There are very simple things that can make it easier. It's never going to be easy. That's not the point. But to make it easier and to make people feel less alone in it. I think that's one of the biggest things is that every athlete at every level experiences these mental challenges. And as you get up higher and your goals get bigger and everybody else gets good too, they become more and more magnified. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that the loneliness piece sometimes comes with because it's in your own mind. So unless you share it with somebody else, what's going on for you, nobody else knows, right? We can see, coaches can see when you make a mistake on the field or when you're struggling with fitness or you're not sure what to do with your passes, but it's hard for them to see what you're thinking in your head unless Mm -hmm. you really tell them. So that makes, that makes so much sense. So my question is, you know, as a former professional athlete and mindset and mental performance coach, can you tell us why mindset and mental performance work is so important for young female athletes? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, many of us have big goals in sports, right? Um, and we know, of course, the statistics on how many people actually get to those levels. They're not mm-hmm. high. But I think, you know, especially as a parent, it's like, why do we play sports? 
right? We play for all those intangibles. We want our daughters to learn about being aggressive and going for their goals. We want them to be able to work in teams. We want them to be able to fail and get back up and go back to practice the next day after missing a penalty kick or whatever, right? We want them to learn these skills in this condensed microcosm of life. That's why we do it. That's why we go to the tournaments. That's why we spend the money. That's why we spend every week <laughs> we're driving to practices. Um, and so this is the way to enhance the skills. They're going to learn some skills just by osmosis, just by being around it. But what can also happen is they can learn the wrong skills. They can learn about playing, uh, you know, worrying about peer pressure and succumbing to that in a, in a game, in a team sport, especially they can learn about, um, quitting. They can learn about wanting something, but not really going for it. And so this is a way to really solidify the positive tools and skills that we hope that they're learning. Um, and I think the other thing that it can really do from a parent's athlete perspective is put a lot of things in perspective because, you know, a lot of the research talks about like how the more time and money you are spending, the more your expectations of results as a parent increase. And I think a lot of times when athletes and kids can get on the same page with this, these are the skills that we really want. These are the skills that we're really practicing. Yes, it's great if you get a college scholarship. Yes, it's great if you make the game winning goal. Yes, it's great if you go to the state tournament. Those are all great things. It's great to have goals. But the reality is that's not always going to happen. And if we can keep our focus on the things that really matter, then we can get a little more perspective. And, you know, it's not all about having fun every single moment. I think that's a misnomer too. There's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be really hard things um, in, in doing anything that you care about, including sports. But keeping that perspective and big picture, so to speak, in in in, an, in the forefront of our mind can be really helpful. And I think mental training and mental skills is a way to do that. You know, that's really helpful. I think the, the idea that we, you know, we want our kids to do these activities because we want them to learn and we want them to be able to take what they learn from the field and apply it to the, the rest of their lives. So for the young girls listening, can you share some of your favorite strategies for getting started with building their mindset and improving their mental performance? Yes, I have a couple that I was thinking about as we were talking about this after we talked last week and, um, I'm actually wondering if I can just ask Elizabeth what she thinks about on pregame. Can I do that? Go for it. Okay, Elizabeth, you've played in a lot of soccer games, right? Yeah. Do you ever feel like butterflies in your stomach before games? No. No? Okay. So do you ever feel like – what do you feel like before games? Sometimes I'm nervous, but most of the time I'm excited. Ooh, okay. So good answer. So I would say that for a lot of people, not just kids, really at any age, we have some sort of physiological reaction and that's adrenaline, right? As adults, we know that that's adrenaline. That's our fight or flight response. And for many of us, once we get to a certain age, we start to tell ourselves a story about how our body feels. And sometimes that story is... I'm nervous. And sometimes that story is I'm excited. And so Elizabeth, it's really interesting that even at your age, that you're doing this already. And this is, I think, one of the cool things about mental skills too, is that honestly, a lot of people, 
the longer that they play a sport, start picking up mental training skills or tools, even without knowing it, even potentially without even being taught it. And so you've already started figuring out that before games, you have a feeling. And so we can call it nervousness or we can call it excitement. On the nervousness side, a lot of times we then talk about nervousness as in, uh uh-oh, I'm not ready to play. In other words, my body is telling me that this is scary and that I'm not ready versus, oh, this is what my body's supposed to do. This is how I play my best. And those are stories, which means you get to choose. And when we choose to feel excited, I mean, think about the difference in our brain of I'm nervous versus I'm excited. In a nutshell, nervous think feels like something bad's going to happen, whereas excitement is something's good's going to happen. And so when you're thinking about just getting ready for a game, telling yourself the story that whatever you're feeling whether you have to go pee one million times or your hands are sweaty or you want to move your body, whatever that feeling is that you feel, putting a positive spin on it and telling yourself, good body, you're doing the right thing. I'm getting ready to play my best. That alone can be a really big shift because you imagine yourself even just walking onto the field, how you are going to play when you have the good feeling and good story in your head versus the negative. Yeah. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's like you kind of have the same energy inside your Mm -hmm. body. And then instead of, you know, saying it, saying it, attaching it to a negative feeling, you attach it to a positive feeling. Like my body is doing what it needs to, to get me the energy to be ready for this game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. I like that. It makes a huge, and then imagine how you're going to behave when you feel excited. You know, maybe you're high-fiving your teammates. Maybe you're just like really engaged in warm-up. Maybe you're just having more fun versus like, oh, another game, right? And that's going to manifest. That's going to show up on the field. But it's exactly right. It's like, it's the same feeling. You don't have to change how you feel, how you talk about it, what you tell in your own brain, and maybe even with other people, maybe your parents, your teammates, the story that you tell yourself really matters and it matters in how you play and how you show up and also just your enjoyment of playing. You're going to have more fun if you decide to have more fun. And so that's one little trick that is really simple. And honestly, it's something that all of us can do really in any situation, Um, whether that's a game or something at work. Oh, good. Well, and I also want to say, Elizabeth, as I said before, but just to sort of say again, is that think of how you had already sort of figured that out. Like maybe you weren't able to say, I do this or I do this or that I have a choice, but you were already doing it and you already had the language. And I bet there's other things in your game and in your mental approach that you're already figuring out on your own. So that's pretty cool, even at your age. Yeah, it's cool. Do you want to- And I would also um, say, talk about it with your teammates. Okay. Yeah, I think it helps to definitely talk about things with other yeah. people on your teams. And they're they're also probably feeling it as well. Yeah. Any tips when you're kind of, you feel like your ba- brain and your body aren't doing the same thing um, during the game? Well, I would just say that sometimes, you know, um, sometimes it can be really hard to, when you like want something, 
don't know if you've ever played Elizabeth and it's like, maybe you were down one goal and like you wanted the goal really bad or like you wanted to do something. Sometimes you push a little too hard and it can be, it can kind of work against you. Like you can get tight or you can um, just kind of make bad decisions or you're starting to thinking instead of playing. And I'm wondering if that was part of it. You know, one little tool that we um, play with sometimes is we call it the alter ego technique. But for, for kids, I would just say like, Think of an animal that you like to watch. Like think of like, what's your favorite animal that you like to watch like playing or running or anything like that? A dog. So like just if you're on the field, sometimes you can be like, I want to run harder. I want to run harder. Or maybe you just stop trying and just start playing like a dog. Like when you see a dog at the field, you know, like like, it's like a golden retriever or something that has tons of energy and you see like. You cannot throw the ball enough for that dog, right? Like there is no amount of times you throw the ball that all of a sudden they're like, yeah, we're good. We're good, right? They will just run themselves into the ground. Yeah. And so sometimes thinking of something that's a little bit more fun, a little bit easier, and a little less like I have to do this can kind of trick your brain into just doing something in a different way. That's such a fun example. We watched a dog for a week this summer. And what what was Ozzy like? Uh, he was just all over the place. All over the place. So I can totally <laughs> picture that in soccer. That would be so fun to picture yeah. like dogs running all over the place. That yeah. would be really fun. <laughs> I love that idea. That's a really fun tip. I think you should try that next game. If you yeah. feel like tired, just be like, I want to be like Ozzy. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's great. Ozzy pro- probably never gets tired. No, no. We would. We worked him hard, right? He's like one years old. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you have any tips for after games on how players, I think as they get older, it's helpful to think a little bit about how to um, to play after a game or think about the yes. game after. I have, a, I have a good, so for our, actually even really, really any age, we have a very simple post-competition routine. But I would say um, like for, I'm just talking about how I do it with my kids um, for a younger age group is really having a couple focuses for the game. And for us in our family, it's really the same thing every time, every practice, every game, every practice. And that's playing hard and having fun. Um, And you can do whatever you want, Elizabeth. You could have two or three things that like, that. that's just either it's your family or if it's you, like this is what I do on the soccer field. Um, And then after the game, really asking yourself if you did those things. Right. Because it's so easy after the game to be like, did I score goals? Did we win? You know, like very results based. And it's okay to want to win. It's okay to want to score goals. But, you know, especially in soccer, we're not going to score every time. Right. And so really having some other things that we can analyze or we can look at how we played. And so for again, for my girls, we'd keep it real simple. Play hard, have fun. And I do think that for a lot of people, they're like kids should just be having fun. And I don't know if it's because I played college. I know, Julie, you did as well, or I don't know. But I think the ha- the playing hard is really important. I think we have to teach kids that playing hard can be really fun because I think that it actually is. I think it's way more fun to go as hard as you can and really learn what that means and what that feels like even in their body. And so if we have that sort of as our goal, then after the game, it's very simple. It's like, did I play hard? Did I have fun? And then I would also, if depending on the age, I would also say what went well and what can I do better next time? 
And I think just that little question of what can I do better next time gets kids in the habit of knowing that it's always improvement. You know, learning and growing is always messy. We're not going to, we're not looking for a perfect game. It's okay to look at, you know, things that we want to get better. That's the whole point of going to practice and playing and all the games and all the tournaments. And so getting them in the habit of just thinking about that in a really, you know, I would say to parents, trying to get them in a really unemotional, non-judgmental way. So making it really light, really fun, um, not heavy, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, that does make sense. So. I, I had two quick questions about that. So one, um, how do kids define working hard? Is that like, do you, are they, are they pretty good at figuring out what working hard is? Or do they have a game where their coach is like, oh, you worked really hard. And then you're like, oh, do you remember what that felt like? That's my first question. And then I'll bring you to yeah. my second question. Okay. Uh, I think it depends. I definitely see it um, with like my daughters. Like I try to, and I'm not coaching them right now, but just from a parent standpoint, I try to say, oh, that's what it feels like. Do you feel that? Right. Or, um, (laughs) you know, for them, it's like, well, it has to be the same amount of effort that you take, like, you know, body slamming your sister onto the couch as it is on the field, right? (laughs) Or like wrestling me or daddy or their uncle, you know? And so like it there, sometimes I think there is some teaching and coaching in that regard um, to really emphasize that. And then- um, Because I saw a lot of inconsistency. Yeah, because I saw a lot of, when I was coaching last year, I saw a lot of inconsistency with hard Mm -hmm. work. And sometimes I think they just didn't, notice and it was everyone on the team it wasn't like one specific person it was everyone on the team I never knew who was going to work hard that day um and what that looked like and maybe one day that was them working that was their version of working hard Right. right and they were doing as hard as they could but it didn't look the same on the other day so as a coach would you say yeah you reflect on that like when you notice someone working really hard oh like that is what that I see that you're really working hard Yeah, it's a really good question. And I think that's a a little bit of the the art of all this is trying to teach them that self-awareness. Because I think you're right. I think it is. um, And and I think especially in a team sport and maybe potentially, potentially more in a, in a, in a, um, a sport with girls is like, we're not, it's okay to be the one that's working harder than other people. Even, you know, yes. it's okay to be the one that's, that, that's raising the level because that can be uncomfortable, yep. you know, and that can be, um, you know, when we were talking about our lizard brain, like sticking out is not, is a big no, no, right. We don't want to be necessarily even the best. We don't want to be the hardest worker. We don't want to be the one that's different than everybody else. So, you know, maybe not at the younger, younger ages, but as they get older, trying to build up that self-awareness of like, it's okay to raise the bar for everybody else. Yeah. And that's, I think that's what, I know Lizzie's coach has said that that's what he's really looking for. He's looking for girls that are going to raise the bar and get everybody up to that level. And somebody has to do Mm -hmm. it first. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. And the other question I had, and then I know Elizabeth has kind of a final question for you. It's just when kids are kind of reflecting back, do they reflect back with themselves? Do they have a conversation with their parents? Do they journal? What is kind of 
you know, maybe for like a 10 to 12 year old, what is the recommendation? And then maybe for an older player. Yeah, it's a really good question. I, you know, it's it's hard to give a blanket. I definitely think that at some point the parents need to be not involved. Um, what age that is specifically, I don't really know. I think, um, you know, I'm often working with college teams and they do it. Uh, a lot of times they'll do it individually, but sort of collectively, if that makes sense. Everybody will have their own journal. Okay. But it's done after the game altogether. So that's ideal if it can be part of the team structure. You know, a coach can have, because it really should only take like one or two minutes. Yeah. Like this is not a journaling session, right? Um. So I think that's ideal if you can get everybody to do it together. Because it is hard if it's not in any kind of structure, right? Because you finish the game and you're off getting a Gatorade with your friends and trying to figure out where you're going to eat before the next game. Right. Right. And so it does, there is a logistical component to that. So it's really nice if it can be done like in a post game huddle or something like that. Um, What else was I going to say about that? But I will also just reiterate to parents, especially, and, and also to kids as they're getting older and getting more advanced in their, you know, just the mental game is like, there is this really important piece of post-competition, post-game, where there's a lot of information that can really help both what went well and what didn't go well that can really help improvement, which is what we're all after. And once that window closes, it's a lot harder to get that. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, it's like doing a cool down physically, right? It's the thing we always skip, especially when they're young. But it's yep. so important to be able to be healthy and ready for the next game. And I think that it kind of sounds like a mental cool down. Like, let's reflect on what went well, what didn't well, how we felt, and using that yep. information for the next game. That's that's great. I really like that advice. The, the three questions we have generally ask, and I, I kind of gave a little bit more because I wanted to talk about what do we do in our family. But for a lot of my clients, it's what went well, what didn't go well, what can I do better next time? And I think even for younger ages, it's what went well, what can I do better? Okay. I like that. That's it. Should we try that? (laughs) Really simple. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, um, Okay, Lindsay, so I had a question. I know that this has been really helpful for me as a parent and for someone that sometimes coaches – I know that you do a lot of work with athletes, but you also work with parents and coaches. So if any of the parents and coaches that are listening along with their little soccer dreamers, um, how can they find out more about the work that you do? So my company is positiveperformancetraining.com. On Instagram, I'm at lindsaypositiveperform. Um, The main work that we're doing now, and we actually have a ton of coaches and a ton of parents that go through, we have a four-month certification So it's really for aspiring mindset and mental performance coaches, which again, a lot of coaches end up wanting to start their own businesses and a lot of parents because they see their child struggling with it and then all their child's friends struggling with it. And so we really teach people how to learn mental training from as a skill set and live it. So you're learning all the mental skills as a human being with a human brain. And then how to start a, your own business doing it. So whether that's a side hustle and you have a couple clients, whether that's working with your own team or that's a full mental performance business, um, we teach that in our four-month certification. So I think the best way I can give you a link is on our website. We have a guide called How to Become a Mental Performance Coach. Oh, cool. And that's like 70 pages and it talks about pricing and packaging and you know if you need to get certified or get your degree and and what our certification does and a quote. Of course, a ton of t- case studies of parents and coaches that have gone through our training and started their own mental performance coaching businesses. That's really cool. So we'll add, yeah, 
We'll put all of your information in our show notes. So if anyone wants to learn more about what you do, they can they can go on and check it. So we always like to end with a question and Elizabeth's going to hit you with that. Go ahead, Liz. What advice would you give your younger self or young female athlete with big soccer dreams? Ooh, I think I would say learn how to visualize and it sounds like a really big, maybe even scary word, but this is what I would say is you visualize all the time and it's called dreaming, daydreaming. It's called playing a movie in your mind. And, you know, if you have big soccer goals, one of the best things you can do is fall asleep, really thinking about where you want to play and what it's going to feel like to play on that field. And, you know, and, and of course, during the day, if you can get to that field, if you can see those players, like the more you can give yourself the picture of that in your brain, the better. But I would say visualization, which again, is just closing your eyes and imagining a movie in your head. And that's a skill you can use before practice, um, but definitely it's an easy way to get in some of that practice at night as you're falling asleep. I used to lay in my bed with my basketball and visualize playing at the college level and just really think about what that was going to be like. And it got me excited. And so when you're excited, you're able to put in the work, you're able to deal with the ups and downs, you're able to fail and get back up because you really have that solid goal in your mind that's really fresh and feels really real because we don't work towards things if we don't think that they're real. Or so possible, that, I should say. Is that similar to like when you said, when you were talking about the excited or nervous feelings? Like I know sometimes in life, like I'd like to think about everything I'm worried about when I'm in bed, right before bed. But I guess <laughs> yeah. it's so if you're worried about your game or something, it's turning that um, that worry and trying to picture and visualize kind of the positive things that you're hoping for in that game. Well, you can do it that way too. I mean, you, visualization is a tool that you can use in so many different ways. We have a pre-practice visualization. We have post-competition. But from a simple standpoint, like the ability to, and again, we do this very naturally, right? We think about if you want a hamburger for dinner, you think about that hamburger. Mm -hmm. You think about what it's going to taste like. You think about, and here's what happens when you think about it. You then figure out how to get it. Mm. You ask your mom if you can have hamburgers. You know, maybe you go to the store. Maybe you look in the freezer and see if there's any, you know, meat. You know, like you start taking the actions to get the hamburger because you visualized it. Gotcha. And so if you want to play in college, we visualize it and we will naturally start doing things that are more likely to get us to that goal in the same way that you would for the hamburger. I love that. It's like a, a more fun and enhanced way to kind of set a goal and and put effort towards that goal. So I think that's great. And that's something easy you can do like yeah. during the day. You know, it's not, you can do it regardless of what the weather is, right? You can't yeah. always go outside and juggle, but you could definitely visualize. So yeah, that's yeah. a great tip. I, I, I really appreciate your time. I think the mental side of the game doesn't get talked about as much um, until it becomes a problem sometimes. And mm -hmm. I think that if we practiced it as much as we practice kind of our technical and tactical side of the game, I think all of our athletes would feel a little more satisfied and like they have a little more control with how they're doing. Yeah. I mean, it's really, um, it's one of those things where it doesn't take a lot of time. It really shouldn't take a lot of time. I mean, we're not, you know, I will say t if you can do 10 minutes a day of mental training, yeah. like you're good. Um, but it has huge, it has a huge ripple effect on, um, 
on their ability to deal with the ups and downs. And then of course, those life skills are just get so much more solidified if you're practicing these things on a regular basis. I would say the other thing as we're kind of talking about this is, you know, we have the, the how to become a mental performance coach guide for people that are interested in being a mental performance coach. But if you're interested in a tool, you know, really just to use with your kids, um, we have something called the braver and I can send it to you, Julie. And it's, um, I think on our website, it's probably like $37 or something, but it really teaches. I've had a lot of parents go through it with their kids and then they have this like exercise that they can do before games. They can do it at night. Um, I think we even have a recording in there that teaches you how to do breathing and visualization and affirmations, which are just goals that you visualize. Um, so there's kind of bigger before, words, right? Yeah. Yeah. We did yep. that with her team last year. It was really fun. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I can, I can send that to you, but anybody cool. else that's interested, it's called the braver and it's an acronym. It starts, it's, it stands for breathing, release, affirmations, visualization, and a, um, a reset word. Okay, cool. And yeah, so that would, it teaches like a lot like of the really components. Good, yeah, it sounds like a really good yeah. start to start exploring it. So that would be great. Yeah, yeah and it also be. teaches you how to use a reset word in competition when you need to reset. And so it's kind of a good – and a lot of coaches, a lot of our college teams do that pre-practice. So it's a whole system that – I didn't think about that before because we were talking about the certification. But for parents in particular, I think it's a really good system to get a lot of mental training in in a short amount of time. Cool. Yeah. I mean, time is always a challenge. So that sounds like a good idea. Would you like to try it? Yeah, I want to try it. That seems fun. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. We really appreciate your time and uh, we look forward to trying and we'll let you know how it goes. Absolutely. And if we can, we can talk more about the Braver anytime. I'm I'm happy to help. Thanks, Elizabeth. Thanks, Julianne. Thank you. Bye. I hope you enjoyed the episode and all the amazing resources that Lindsay has available on her website and Instagram account. If you have any questions and want to learn more from Lindsay as a player, parent, or coach, I highly recommend that you reach out to her directly. She is pretty incredible. All right, thank you all so much for listening. And remember, if you like what you heard, please follow us, which you can do by visiting shedreamsandgoals.com. Follow us on Instagram at shedreamsandgoals. And most importantly, share our podcast with family, friends, and teammates. And until next time, keep playing and keep dreaming. This podcast was prepared by duly authorized members of She Dreams and Goals, LLC. She Dreams and Goals, LLC does not accept liability for any opinions or information of any kind expressed by its guests and hereby makes clear that those opinions do not represent the opinions and or recommendations of She Dreams and Goals, LLC or its members. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not constitute any form of professional advice. Listeners of this podcast should conduct their own extensive research before making any decisions in connection with topics discussed in this podcast. She Dreams and Goals LLC is committed to providing content that is safe and appropriate for all ages. However, legal guardians are ultimately responsible for supervising access by any minor under their care to content produced by She Dreams and Goals LLC. She Dreams and Goals LLC does not make any warranty or representation as to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in this podcast. To the fullest extent permitted by law, She Dreams and Goals LLC shall not incur any liability in connection with this podcast. This podcast may not be copied, published, reproduced, or redistributed in whole or part without the written permission of a duly authorized member of She Dreams and Goals LLC. For further information, please visit www.shedreamsandgoals.com.